Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Wednesday edition of the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin with you. Great to have you along. Hey, by the way, I want to tell you that we have Blues hockey coming up later tonight, but between 11 and 2, special treat for you. Mark Saxon will be filling in. Alex Ferrario, his lovely wife, they had a baby, so Mark Saxon filling in. He'll be with BK between 11 and 2. On this show, Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com. A lot of minor league news and not great news, depending on how you look at it. Uh, guys, they're, they're hopefully going to be vaccinated so they could have a safe, healthy season, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, visit with Doug Elgin. He is the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference. Also, you're going to hear from Jim Sterk. He is the director of athletics uh, for the University of Missouri. So we'll talk to those folks coming up on this show. Cardinals yesterday played to a scoreless tie, only seven innings against the Miami Marlins. Four hits total in the game for the St. Louis Cardinals. The biggest hit, though, in this game from this guy. Just little things that he does like that right there. And a base hit it to right field on an 0-2 pitch and his first hit in spring as a Cardinal to right. Nolan Arenado with his first hit as a St. Louis Cardinal happened on an 0-2 pitch, and he'll do that a lot. He'll go the other way, kind of simplify things, shorten his swing, look good again yesterday. Starting already again, a story developing with the St. Louis Cardinals. They're pitching two games into spring training, 16 innings pitched, nine hits, 17 strikeouts, Four earned runs. That has been it thus far in spring training. ERA is barely over two, so they're picking up right where they left off. And it was Adam Wainwright yesterday making the start for St. Louis. He went two innings, only took him a total of 20 pitches to get through those two innings. So you'd look at what Jack Flaherty did in his first start. Took him 37 pitches to get through a couple of innings. Waino yesterday, the 39-year-old, Two innings, a total of 20 pitches. No surprise for Mike Schilt. Was to underestimate the fact that yeah, this guy does have um, experience. Um, he's got, he's battle tested. Um, he knows how to use his stuff, which is what we call pitching. Um, he clearly has a good relationship with with Yachty. Um, so all those things are important that he that he has that guile to um, use his his experiences to compete and he's smart enough to be able to do those things. But let's don't underestimate the fact this guy's still got quality major league stuff. I mean, his fastball um, is still, I mean, the major average league fastball has increased a little bit over the last couple of years, we know, but he's still got a fastball that A, is representative in velocity, and also B, and most importantly, commands it. And he puts it pretty much where he wants it. Um, so that pitch plays up. Um, and then he's got the signature curveball that is an elite pitch and always has been and, and still is. And he's also mixed in, as he would call, the devastator. You know, he's got the changeup that he's mixed in as well that um, he's added to his, to his arsenal. So 
He does have a nice arsenal, and coupled with that, with the experience that he has, you're talking about a guy that's still a, a, a strong contributor on a good club, really good club. One of the things I really liked about the game yesterday, Matt Carpenter batted leadoff. He's driving the ball, which is something that we want to see from him. And let's give Carpenter some credit. Day in and day out from his home down in Texas, he would travel 90 minutes to, 90 minutes back to his home, working out at a facility to try to improve his offense. He's also trying to go back to a position that he used to play. He was an all-star at second base, made a diving play at second base, terrific play early on in the game, and getting used to being back at second. You know, every day it gets better and better. I'm not going to lie, when we first were over there at the beginning of spring, you know, I was talking to um, our bench coach, um, Ollie, today about it. Uh, the actual position or the actual ground ball and, you know, turning the double play, all that stuff came back pretty quickly. I didn't feel like, uh, you know, it, that was completely foreign to me as just as much. But the most, of the, the biggest things that are still a kind of a work in progress is just kind of the mental side of playing that position, knowing where to be. You know, knowing where to be on cuts and relays, knowing the bunt plays from that position, picks from second base, um, covering runners on a steal, the sh- you know, all the stuff that goes into playing um, the middle of the infield, watching the signs from, um, from Yachty, you know, relaying it to Goldie at first base. I mean, there's just so much that goes on to play in middle infield where, you know, at the corners, you can kind of really just play the position. You don't have to think about a lot of other things. So there's just more that goes into it. And so today was a great day for me to be able to get out there watch Yachty's running game signs, um, you know, relaying who's covering the bag with our shortstop. Um, those are the things that I think as the weeks go on, um, I'll hopefully get more and more comfortable with. Speaking of defense, what about Tyler Heineman? So he took over for Yadier Molina behind the plate. And this is a guy that was an under-the-radar signing for the Cardinals. He does have some major league experience, but he had two caught stealing. I was working with Jimmy Edmonds on the game yesterday and we noticed the quick release that he had. Two caught stealing, and it's something to keep in mind because you think about what about the immediate future with Andrew Kisner with the minor leagues potentially getting off to a, a later start this year. Well, Tyler Heineman could be that backup. You know, the biggest thing is is always anticipating someone running no matter what. Slow guy, fast guy, um, just anticipating it because just the anticipation of it kind of gets you in the right position and the right mindset if the guy does go but yeah like you said you know people aren't running nearly as much and um so it's kind of tough to get those game reps in sometimes but um you know if you're if you're in the mindset uh of the guy's going to run at every single pitch uh you're going to be in a good position to throw if the guy goes so you wonder if Heineman's presence could have a factor for a guy like Andrew Kisner keep him sharp does he go to a satellite camp does he Break camp as the backup for the St. Louis Cardinals because, according to ESPN's Jeff Passan, Major League Baseball teams will operate alternate sites similar to those used during the pandemic-shortened 2020 season, delaying the beginning of the AAA season by at least a month. We're going to talk to Brian Walton about that coming up. So AAA, the highest level of minor league baseball, was scheduled to begin April 6th Games will be pushed back, sources said, to around the same time as double A, high A, low A are expected to start the first week of May. Even then, some executives told ESPN they believe the alternate sites could last longer into the season. One of the guys that spent a lot of time at the alternate site last year, 
couple of different times was Dylan Carlson. Now, he was a guest yesterday on Carriker and Smallman. Great interview with the guys talking about the adjustments he made, especially the second time through. Uh, no doubt. Um, I was able to, you know, just kind of take some time to regroup there, and it just allowed me to, you know, get that confidence, build it back up, and just, you know, really be able to analyze and take a deep breath and figure out figure out the things that worked for me and the things that didn't work for me. And, you know, luckily for me, um, I was just able to come back and play my game. And, you know, the guys in the clubhouse had my back as well as the coaching staff, and it really uh, it really helped me a ton. We'll see if uh, Dylan Carlson plays today. KK is on the mound. He'll go against the New York Mets. The new look New York Mets. You can see that game on Fox Sports Midwest. That game will come your way at noon. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, it's a visit with Brian Walton. Get into what he's seen from the first uh, couple of games of spring training. Some of the minor leaguers like Matthew Liberator. We're going to talk about him. He had a debut yesterday of this 2021 season. Looked pretty darn good. And also what this shutdown, not shutdown, but at least pause of the minor league season may mean to development of some of these players and who has stood out so far for him. We're going to do that in just a moment. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. It's always great on these Wednesdays to have the chance to visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. The Cardinals have a couple of games already in the books, and they'll play again today at noon. You can see that game on Fox Sports Midwest as they'll take on the New York Mets. KK will make his spring training debut. And as always, Brian Walton is from thecardinalnation.com. Make sure you get your book from Brian to follow along and check out some of the best prospects that the Cardinals have at his spring training book. It's really like a cheating guide for me. And, Brian, I, I guess it's probably the best way I can put it. It's it's my cheating guide throughout spring training. Is that okay to say that I've got, like, the uh, the cheating guide for Danny Mac on these games? Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, folks who buy the guide will see that I added a Danny Mac sort so you can more quickly get to each individual prospects by individual page rather than having to go through uh, groups of 10 at a time to, to find the one you want. So, you know, we're trying to make it as usable as we can for everybody, whether you have it, you know, on your personal device when you're at games or whether you have the, uh, the hard copy book. I mean, both, it's available in both forms. I love it. You can get that at thecardinalnation.com. Now, while AAA, the highest level of minor league baseball, was scheduled to begin April 6th, games will be pushed back Sources, according to Jeff Passan, said that last night, and that uh, also was uh, around the same time, double-A, high-A, low-A, expected to start the first week of May. And the idea of this, of pushing back the minor league season, is to allow for vaccinations, which are rolling out. We heard that the president said that we could have the nation, potentially, if you want it, vaccinated uh, very much earlier than anticipated. So that is good news on the front of even outside of sports. So does this surprise you to hear that we'll have a satellite camp uh, for about a month and then get into the minor league season? Is this surprising at all for people around baseball? Well, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, there was certainly a concern about starting the AAA season on time. Uh, of course, uh, just to back up a half a step, the Cardinals have 67 players in camp. The, once the regular season starts, you know, only 26 of them will be in the team. There's another five in the taxi squad. Hudson will go on the IL. So that leaves another what, 35-ish players, and that would make primarily the AAA roster that was going to start. And, again, the, the thinking behind that was 
those players that have been in St. Louis camp are ready to play at the beginning of April. And then the next wave of players, the AA and Class A people, would then come into the Jupiter Complex once the Major League and the AAA team have vacated. So now the, the new plan that, that uh, Jeff Passan you know, just uh, talked about last night is that instead of starting in their cities uh, on April 6th, the AAA teams will instead go to their alternate sites. And so we assume for the Cardinals that will be Springfield like it was last year. And they'll work out there for at least a month with the hope, I guess, that they would be able to start their regular season, they being AAA, on May 4th, which is also when AA and single A are supposed to begin. As you mentioned, one key benefit would be the hope that all the players could be vaccinated. And the reason, an important reason for that, a difference between the minor leagues and the major leagues, uh, one key difference is that they don't fly in the minor leagues, they don't fly on uh, private flights, they travel commercial. So, you know, they're out in the public much more so than the average. And the other, another big reason to use these alternate sites is not only the proximity to the major league city, but also they can control the testing and managing and protocols much more closely than if you've got a triple A team, you know, traveling in the case of Memphis, you know, they're going to be spending a lot of the year on the Eastern uh, East coast seaboard and, and go down as far south as Jacksonville. So, you know, delaying that a little bit uh, isn't a bad thing. The only thing that I saw in, in uh, Jeff Passon's report that concerned me a little bit, he mentioned the fact that they, they would try to make up that month of games or month plus of games by tacking games onto the end of the year. But the reality is the schedules that are already out for the minor leagues already go through September 19th as they are. So there's just no way I can see minor league baseball going into October. So I think more than likely, and this is just my guess, that the AAA season will get shortened to around 120 games like the uh, AA and Class A are scheduled to be. But you know, we'll, have to, we'll have to watch this space. Uh, I guess bottom line is this is a significant announcement, but it's not, you know, it's not something that can't be managed. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's more, uh, again, you know, optimism that maybe they can get everybody tested and cleaned up and you know, start the minor league seasons in a less restricted environment than they were planning to do before. Yeah, you just led me right into my next question. So you think we will have somewhat of a truncated season and not play into what would be the colder months in the fall of some of these places that will get cold? I mean, there's going to be some places that would be warm, and if you wanted to play in those months, you probably could, but it looks like, in your opinion, we would have a shortened season of some sorts. Well, as of now, like I said, as of now, minor league baseball runs through September 19th, but they did that in lieu of playoffs. Normally, minor league playoffs would run through the first half of September, maybe into the, the later part of the month, depending on the league and the situation. So really, they didn't extend the season as much as they did. They got rid of the playoffs and extended the regular season a little longer than normal. But I think that's probably where the minor league seasons are going to end. But I think every organization you know, understands, and, and the minor league owners the, the, of the teams that aren't owned by the organizations already understand, you know, they need to help with player development. And so they need to, you know, have, uh, you know, have these games ready and, and played. But the problem is for the minor league operators, as you mentioned, you get into late September. Number one is weather. Number two, kids are back in school. Number three, football at on full, full speed. So, you know, there's just aren't going to be many people in the ballparks, you know, after, after, uh, and, and that's why the, the minor league season, season traditionally ended Labor Day. In terms of the the first couple of games that you have seen 
uh, of the Cardinals and, and back in action. It's been great to have baseball down in Jupiter, Florida. We're doing the games virtually on television. Again, another one today at noon against the Mets, and KK will go for the Cardinals. Anything stood out for you that, that's caught your attention? Well, it's still really early, Dan, but I, I, I really uh, respected what I saw from Matthew Libertor. You know, we, we saw his fastball, you know, had good movement. He's got that great curveball. Uh, you know, I don't think he showed his other pitches much. But, you know, he got in a little trouble. He walked a guy, balk, but he worked around it. And he, he didn't get rattled. He didn't get upset. And, he you know, he got a left-hander, to, you know, to get out of him. So, you know, I thought that was a, a major league quality kind of appearance from a guy who there's a lot of, you know, great hopes for to rise very quickly and, and uh, you know, potentially help St. Louis out later in the season. On the on the offensive side, you know, Nolan Gorman's playing, uh, you know, the defense that we expected from third base, although, you know, it may not be his long-term home given the changes at St. Louis level, but he also, uh, you know, almost got one out of the park and seems to be swinging the bat well as well. And so, you know, you like to see those top prospects, uh, you know, showing well in these first games. Where do you think Libertor in a normal minor league season, where would he go? Would he jump from A-ball to double-A to triple-A, or do you see him – potentially going from a ball and being in a rotation at triple a well in a normal season it would be the former in this season it's going to be the latter and what i mean by that dan is that in the past the cardinals have often taken a player like him and started them in double a and let them get six or eight starts you know maybe mid maybe in mid may and then when they're dominating the way they move them up to triple a and then later in the season they get an mlb debut but this season everything's different the 67 players that are in Major League camp, those are the players that are going to make up the St. Louis roster and the AAA roster to open the season, or now, in, in the case of what we just learned last night, the alternate camp roster. Because those are the only players in camp. Those are the only players that work out. They're the only players that are ready to go. The AA players and single-A players are still at home. So this year it's going to be very clear. Yeah, Matthew Libertor is going to start 2021 at AAA slash alternate camp. Now, will he stay there? I think, you know, it's going to be a great opportunity for guys like Libertor and Gorman and, and Yvonne Herrera and others to make that big jump. And they're going to get a month at least to show they belong in AAA. And if they play well, they'll stay there. If they struggle, they might get backed off to AA for a while, and there'll be some panic if that happens that, oh, my gosh, they're fa- they failed. Well, you, you know, you have to remember these guys are being challenged at a level, you know, having skipped AA, which is not something most players do. So I think it's a great opportunity for these guys to make up some of that lost time, but you know the pressure will be on them to you know to show what they've got when they when they get that chance uh, at the start of the year. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com, is always on a Wednesday. And Brian, we saw Heineman, uh, a backup catcher. He was signed for depth at the time the Cardinals signed him. We weren't sure what was going to be the case with Yadier Molina. He does have a little major league experience. He had a couple of great caught stealings yesterday. Jimmy Edmonds, my partner, talked about the fact, look, this is a guy that's got a great, and he showed it, catch and release. He's been known for that. When you see something like that, in your opinion, is it better off to put Andrew Kisner back down in the minor leagues, let him get playing time, and now with the satellite camp, we're not sure if that's the best thing for him. We'll see. But do you think it would be best serve for him to get playing time at bats, play every day as opposed to being maybe a backup and seeing uh, Heineman be a backup to a Yadier Molina? Well, there's a there's a few questions to be answered there. You know, number one is how many games is Yadier Molina going to play? You know, is he going to play 140? Is he going to play 100? You know, what's he going to play? So uh, the other way to say it is, will the backup catcher play once a week, twice a week? 
once every two weeks. You know, it, it really depends. But I don't. I think the situation is going to be fluid, Dan, because in addition to the two catchers, which will be on the major league roster, and of course the primary focus will be on that second catcher on the active 26-man roster. But remember that when the Cardinals are on the road, there's going to be a five-man taxi squad, and that always includes one catcher. And typically that catcher stays around even when they're at home. Uh, and so there's there's a one catcher all the time who's really not able to play anywhere. He's both basically just another bullpen catcher. So and that player does not have to be on the 40 man roster because Heineman is not on the 40 man. Now the Cardinals could make room on the 40 man. They, they, they have space and they still have one move yet with uh, Hudson who will likely go on the 60 day DL. So that could open another. But Heineman would have to be added to the 40 man to actually play in a game in St. Louis. Then we also have to remember that the Cardinals added Sanchez, the, the uh, minor league catcher from the Mets, who is also on the 40-man. So Sanchez could also be in this mix of catchers between who's starting in Memphis or who are the guys in Memphis, who's on the taxi squad, and who's the second guy in St. Louis. And when you have guys that are on the roster with minor league options like all these guys would have, you know that gives the Cardinals some flexibility to not let anybody get too stale in any one of those positions. The Cardinals made the announcement uh, within the last 48 hours of the potential addition to their Hall of Fame class. Could be Steve Carlton, Keith Hernandez, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, Lee Smith, all deserving. I think all of them eventually will get in. But, Brian, if you tell me that Keith Hernandez shouldn't be going in, we're going to cut the interview off right now, okay? I'm just letting you know. It needs to be Keith Hernandez. Well, Dan, you know where I stood, so that was a very low-risk comment on your part. (laughs) I Uh, did. Uh, uh, yeah, Keith, obviously Keith Hernandez's stats, if you, if you, you know, if his name was Joe Smith and you looked at his numbers, you'd say, you know, he should have been in the Hall of Fame five years ago, probably. But, you know, there are some folks who are concerned about the fact that he had such great success with the Mets after he left the Cardinals. Uh, the fact that his, the circumstances under which he left the team, you know, were not positive in terms of his drug use and the skirmishes he had with Whitey, which by the way, the two of them patched up years and years and years ago. Um, I actually ran a, I wrote a story last summer about this, why I thought Hernandez, you know, basically the, the title of the story was called Hate Hate the Pond Scum, but Still Recognize Hernandez. I think you can separate what Keith did elsewhere and just look at what he accomplished for the St. Louis Cardinals in almost 10 years with the team. And, you know, he, he deserves to to wear that red jacket. Um, so let's, you know, we hope that that will get done this year. I, the other thing that I want to mention about the Hall of Fame, it's, it's being handled differently this year, and I, I think it makes some sense. It's scaled down a little bit because the members of last year's class, because of the you know, virus, were not able to be recognized. The, the induction ceremony did not occur. So, you know, there's a group of three others who are, you know, still, still um, you know, in the queue, so to speak, um, you know, to be recognized. And I'm, I'm talking about uh, Tommy Herrer and John Tudor and Bill White. So those gentlemen will be, you know, enshrined this summer, as well as the one modern era player uh, this year. And the, the modern era players are the same guys that were on the ballot last year who didn't get in. So uh, again, deserving guys, uh, Carlton, who was a, a great pitcher before he left, Matt Morris, Edgar Renneria, Lee Smith. But I, I really believe that, that Keith Hernandez stands uh, above those in terms of contributions to the Cardinals. And now fans can vote. Uh, they'll be able to vote until, um, um, I guess, into uh, May. No, what is the date? I think it's Hold April Sorry, 27th. April 27th, I believe. No, April 17th. Voting ends. April 17th. Yeah, April 17th. Yeah. April 17th and at the, uh, Cardinals.com. 
and the uh, enshrinement ceremony will be on August 21st. Thanks, Dan. You bet. So, uh, if you have folks, get out, get out there, get out there and vote. And uh, you know, no matter who you vote for, do vote because there have been a couple of times in recent years where just a handful of ballots have separated these players. So, you know, don't think your vote doesn't count. They really do. Absolutely. Let's wrap it up with this. Uh, best way to get uh, your preview, if you will, and a look back at some of the top minor league players that we're watching right now. Top prospect guide that you offer at thecardinalnation.com. Uh, right on the top of the site, on the on the banner at the top, you'll see a new 2021 prospect guide. There's also an article above the fold, sort of in the top group, a, a, a bright blue icon that says Cardinal Nation 2021 prospect guide. You can click on that. You can read uh, the what the guide's about. You can see the table of contents. You can read Dan McLaughlin's, uh, McLaughlin's uh, um, forward to the guide. You can see testimonials from from people who have bought the guide in the past, what they have to say about it. So, you know, you can learn a lot about it before you place your order. I I guarantee you'll be satisfied if you you do go ahead and purchase it. Absolutely. TheCardinalNation.com. That's Brian Walton. Brian, we always do this on Wednesdays. Thanks for doing this as always, and uh, we'll talk next Wednesday. You got it, Dan. Coming up, we'll go from baseball to college athletics. We'll visit with Jim Sterk, the director of athletics at Mizzou, and also we'll hear from Doug Elgin. He is the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show on a Wednesday rolls on here on 101 ESPN. Hope you enjoyed our visit as we do every Wednesday with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And we're going to switch gears a little bit from baseball to the college scene. I thought this would be fun to, to have a visit with a guy at Mizzou that's Really changed the program on a couple of fronts. The athletics director at Mizzou, Jim Sterk, and then we're on the eve of Arch Madness here in St. Louis, and that is the commissioner of the Missouri Valley, and that is Doug Elgin. You'll hear from Doug in just a moment, but let's start with Jim Sterk. Jim was named the director of athletics on August 9th of 2016, and I asked him about his evaluation of his head football coach who's really turning things around. That's Eli Drinkwitz. Well, it's really interesting. You know, looking back a year ago, we, we didn't get any spring ball. And and it's, that's especially tough when you're, you know, an incoming coach. He hadn't laid out the system. So I'm really excited about, you know, the, the future under his leadership and, and his ability and his staff's ability to teach and grow our, our players individually, but then as a team. And I, I think the, the, the sky is, is the limit. It's, it, the future is very, very bright. Um, we have a lot of momentum going into spring ball uh, and, and to be able to have a full set of practices in the, in the spring and then, and then summer to prepare um, for a great fall, fall season. Pull back the curtain, if you can, a little bit for the fans of, of the, the football program. Um, from our vantage point, we see a guy that looks to be uh, just boundless energy. He's bringing in really good recruits, big name recruits, and guys to help really turn this thing into being a top 20 top 10 program. So the boundless energy part is really what I was getting at. What, what's it like being around Coach Drink day in and day out? He's a character, you know, and, <laughs> and, and what you see is what you get. And, and but extremely um, thoughtful, um, smart, uh, you know, great, engaging personality that you see come across even on a Zoom or, or interviews that you get. Um, that's, that's who he is. Uh, it, you know, what you see is what you get. And uh, I think it was the first day we're introducing him to the team and, and the team's walking by 
and they haven't met him. You know, they don't know him from Adam and, and they're shaking hands with him. And, you know, and he has his glasses on. He's like, hey, you know, don't don't let the glasses fool you. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll take you I'll take you out on the field right now. Let's go. You know, type of thing. And, and just, uh, you know, his his personality comes across and it, it, it is genuine. What is it like being a director of athletics and trying to get through COVID-19 to make sure your kids are healthy, your staff is healthy? and just doing everything you can right to follow the protocols. What, what has that been like day in and day out? The best example is uh, we're in over 100 um, meetings, Zoom calls with the SEC, uh, our ADs and, and the commissioner and his staff uh, in the past year. And prior years, it was 11 uh, telephone calls and maybe four, four in-person meetings. So just the the volume and the difference of changing uh, changing landscape almost on a daily basis of what you're dealing with and and having to be flexible and and coaches are really you know focused and they're they're dialed in and and that you know in order to be be very good um, you know they have to have that that mentality but from an administrative standpoint we can't you know you can't plan next week sometimes and so it's it's a big difference. Um, being able to to adjust and 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 our coaches uh, have done a great job and our student athletes have have been through a lot and uh, but we're keeping them safe. We're showing that you can do it. The SEC has had a couple championships, a football championship, and and conducted soccer championships in the fall. The NCAA hasn't had one in over a year, and so that's why you see all the detail going into the men's and women's basketball. Uh, championship that they're planning to host in San Antonio and in Indy. And in terms of basketball with Conzo and, and what he's done with the program this year, uh, how would you evaluate what's uh, what's happening on the hard court? Yeah, he he took over a program. I don't know where we were in the net, if you will, um, when he took over four years ago. We were 160 or something like that. And, and we're sitting, you know, moving up and down a little bit. But but with Jeremiah back after his uh, the unfortunate death in his family and and taking some time time there, uh, I thought they they were refocused. They really played well, and uh, I'm excited. Not, at the start of the year, I thought, okay, we've got to have basketball season this year, especially because this team could make a deep run into the SEC tournament, but also in the NCAA tournament in, in March. So um, stay tuned. I think it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And Jim, I'll wrap it up with this. You know the alumni base is huge in St. Louis. What, what's your message to Missouri fans as you look forward to what could happen in basketball and also spring football? And before you know it, the, the fall season right around the corner. What would be your message to the alumni base? Well, go to mutigers.com on a weekly basis, some of our Fridays, Saturdays, or Sundays to get you through this, um, you know, the winter doldrums and the polar vortex that hopefully is gone. But the we, we're having seven or eight events uh, on some of those days per day. And so a lot of, a lot of good things going on. Our, our student athletes are, are going to perform very, very well. We have eight teams in the, in the top 25 and, and, and that's not counting the football that, that I think will be uh, projected to be there. So I, I think a lot of good things, a lot of excitement. We have really good leaders in each of those programs, and, and I'm excited about the future of Mizzou Athletics. Switch gears now to college basketball and Doug Elgin on the eve of Arch Madness here in St. Louis. Doug Elgin, the commissioner of the Valley, his 33rd year as the commissioner, and this will be it for him. 
45 years he has had a hand in college basketball in one way or another, but 33 years, the St. Louis-based Missouri Valley Conference. He's done an incredible job, and I asked him, why are you retiring? Well, I, I think uh, part of it is grandchildren and ch- and my, my daughters are all here. We've got six daughters between us and a little more family time. And, you know, once you hit 70, which I did recently, you begin to think about, you know, taking, taking more time for your family and for things you like to do. In terms of your career and you reflect on it, especially with the Valley, what are you most proud of as you look back on it? Well, I've, I've said this several times on these types of interviews. It's, it's keeping our staff together. The, the continuity that we've had is remarkable. We've got four people who've worked 30 or more years, another one approaching 30, and a retired person who was here 30 years plus. So I think had, had it not been for that continuity, there, were, there would have been a lot of things we could not simply have, have accomplished if we had, had a lot of change in, in our senior staff. In terms of COVID, you have done a remarkable job to get games in. Um, have you become kind of the, the centerpiece and example, the valley of, of how to try to deal with this and get a full schedule in? Well, I think others on our staff have said this. Greg Walter on our staff has piloted our, our COVID efforts done a remarkable job and I would compare our protocols and our and our and our safety uh, policies to those of any conference in the country. He's done a tremendous job navigating. Uh, we will probably play all 90 men's games and women's games uh, this year and that three months ago it looked like that would be an impossibility. What is it like the day-to-day when you're a commissioner and you're trying to get games in with the policies and the protocols that you have to deal with? Is it is it almost like, okay, here we go. I got to wake up in the morning and find out what's going to hit us next kind of thing? For a while there, it was like that. It was, a, it was a desperate scramble to find the windows where we could move games that had been postponed to later parts of the schedule. But we prepared for that by having a couple of games move before January 1, and that gave us some space in which we could, um, you know, readjust our schedule as it, as it, became necessary. You made St. Louis the base for the Missouri Valley Conference. Why was this the right place for you all, after all these years? Well, we were in Tulsa till the mid-1980s, I think, and moved here. Uh, and I think it was uh, the, the more the center of our geographic footprint to be in St. Louis. Uh, we moved our tournament here, our men's tournament here, which was a, a pivotal move for us in terms of our branding and growing our str- our strength as a conference. We moved it here because we staff lives here. So instead of moving campus to campus every year and reinventing the wheel, we brought it here where we could really perfect it, use that to help attract NCAA tournament events. And we've had two women's Final Fours, a men's Final Four, and about 11 other first and second round and regional men's events that we brought to town in concert with the, uh, with the St. Louis Sports Commission. Arch Madness, it's always one of the great times of the year for any sports fan in town. How would you describe Arch Madness to a casual fan that maybe hasn't been there? What, what would you say it's all about? It's a family affair, really. And uh, our, our team's like nothing better than to come here and leave St. Louis and do some damage in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's one of the things that our staff is really proud of is how well we have competed, not only in men's basketball, but in women's basketball as well, with uh, with postseason play and the opponents that we've been able to beat in in the NCAA tournaments. When you look at this year's positioning for the Missouri Valley Conference going into Arch Madness, potentially the NCAA tournament, 
How many teams do you think realistically you can get into the big dance? I think we should get two, uh, without doubt. On the men's side, two with Loyola and Drake. And I would have to say that if there's an upset, I think we'd be in position to potentially get three teams. Uh, and, and this is the first time in five years that we have been in this solid a position going into postseason to be able to make those uh, have those expectations on Selection Sunday. Do you think the committee is going to be more lenient this year on teams that have been hit with COVID and, and have to do truly have to do their homework more so this year than ever? Oh, I do think so. And, you know, it's, it's nothing's normal. Our, our teams played back-to-back games on consecutive days, two away games on the road on consecutive days, two home games, same thing. And, and that put a lot of extra pressure on our teams uh, in terms of recovery time in playing two games in a, in a very short period of time. And with rescheduling, some teams had four or five consecutive road games. And again, we understood it's a pandemic year. Nothing's going to be fair. Nothing's going to be balanced or equal. And our teams and our student athletes and, and their fan bases have all understood that. As you reflect on your career, Kamish, I'll wrap it up with this. What do you want to be known for in, in college basketball or in college athletics as a whole? Well, I think, I think really doing what I could do and what our staff could do and building our, our brands and, and, and putting all of our teams in a position where they could become relevant, could compete nationally. And I think in almost every team sport that we sponsor, we've seen that happen. Baseball, softball, uh, volleyball, um, you know, and certainly the two basketballs are, are without exception there. We've been very competitive, uh, verging on that upper echelon of high majors uh, in some years in some sports. And uh, just really proud of the way in which our student athletes have represented us and our presidents and administrators have led our league. Arch Madness will kick off tomorrow here in St. Louis at the Enterprise Center. You've got the 8 and the 9 seed. That's always a great game with number 8 Bradley against Southern Illinois. There are fans in the stands at Enterprise Center. Not a lot, but there are fans. And then you have the 7 seed against the 10 seed, Northern Iowa against number 10, Illinois State, and the Panthers of Northern Iowa, number 7. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.